The following is for information purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. All opinions and views expressed by the contributors to this podcast are in a personal capacity only. They do not represent the views of Progressive Equity Research or any other organisation mentioned in this podcast. Money never sleeps, pal. Okay. Hi, Jeremy. It's Thursday, 29th of February. Been a busy week. Yes. Hi. A short week for me, but a busy week. Where do you want to start? Well, should we talk a little bit about what's going on macro-wise? And I think there's been a bit of excitement about London re-establishing itself as a, a credible venue for IPOs of, of global businesses or overseas businesses. Yeah, and then a, I know. It's uh, happened very quickly. But yeah, some, some good news there. And then we can uh, chat about some of the, the UK stocks. So, so yeah, do you want to talk about okay. the, uh, the economic stuff first? Nothing earth-shattering this week. We've had US GDP data for Q4 last year revised down marginally. And later today, shortly after this recording, we're going to get the PCE inflation data, which I think will be more significant in determining the eventual path to rate cuts, which still look destined to be in H2 rather than H1. So we got a few months to get through before we reached that promised land of lower rates, which I think could prove to be a nervy time for markets. And in the UK today, we had mortgage approvals for January, which were much stronger than expected, the highest in over a year and 40% above the level this time last year. So pat on the back for Alistair Stewart, who spoke to us about three weeks ago, saying he thought there was evidence of increased activity in the UK housing market. So Mm. there you have it. That's right. Maybe that's some of the more keenly priced mortgage offers were around at that point, weren't they? So that was Yes, which have some of which I think have started to be yeah, which I think have subsequently been quietly withdrawn. So yeah. It looks like we'll possibly on that basis have a down month in February or maybe March. But uh, at least interest there. If interest yeah. rates can be at the right level, there's, there's demand sure. from, from home buyers, which is good. Yeah. So, yeah, and on the yeah. IPO thing, we've had headlines earlier in the week about Chinese, but now Singapore-based fast fashion company Shine, considering switching its initial public offering from New York to London. You know, if that it does prove to be correct, and it made quite a few headlines in the papers, so must have come from somewhere. Be an interesting test for the desire of the UK to be a you know a home for high growth businesses, but obviously not without political connotations. So um, no, of course. And I saw a, there was also some speculation about another smaller but international business called IUNO, which is competitor to uh, one of our progressive clients, Zoo Digital. Oh, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the translation and, and subtitling and dubbing space, it's, it's a you know international business based in Korea and. As with Shine, London is one of the options that they're apparently considering for their potential IPO. So yeah, okay. it's, it's good to see London you know, back in the headlights again. And in the, the London Stock Exchange Group, or LSEG, as I think they prefer to be known these days, uh, reported with their update today that it is more optimistic about a revival in stock market listings this year, saying there's been an encouraging number of companies uh, making inquiries about IPO. So uh, yeah, that and- seems to chime with 
those other news stories. So yeah, that's going on. The other thing that I just noticed catching up on what's going on, you know, anything to do with electric vehicles all of a sudden is bad news, not good news. The uh, FT had a headline yesterday or the day before saying that the UK was looking into concerns of dumping of cheap imports from China. We've also had the Apple car, apparently they've been working on for over a decade, which has now been pulled and all the people working on that project, which apparently numbered 2,000 people, are being either let go or redeployed within Apple. And sort of in back in our market, there's a little listed company that supplies e-drives to the EV market called Sayeta, <laughs> which don't think ever made money, but used to have a very strong following that sort of last week quietly looks like it's going to slip into some form of administration or receivership. So yeah, yeah, electric vehicles are not a good place to be right now. No, I saw that about Toyota. And, and I mean, I think there's also a political angle to this, which is it's, it's not just the, the dumping of, of cheap product into UK or the European markets, but also in the States. And there, there's been a some press about fears that the, the risks of having thousands or tens of thousands of Chinese-made vehicles driving around American streets and the dangers that if, if those can be controlled or automatically shut down or something by Beijing, then uh, that's not what the Americans want on, on their roads. So it's, it's almost like a, a rerun of the Huawei conversation, yes. but applied to to EVs or, or to, to vehicles generally. So uh, yeah, interesting all, to see how that's those vehicles running around feeding back data to the Chinese Communist Party is uh, exactly yeah I guess it's that's not the, something that's the, that yeah the fear that will be out there so so yeah but uh, it's, it's amazing how quickly that EV market has has turned hopefully yeah. it can recover but at the moment it's it's looking a bit uh, a bit tricky yeah 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 um, and the other thing which I had to mention of course but I mean I think it is it is hitting headlines again is this Bitcoin price I'm sure you following the last time we spoke about it a few weeks ago I'm sure you invested the uh, well. Evan's family fortune in in you, know, you, you took your allocation in bitcoins. So, uh, it, it, would, uh, it wouldn't be the the end of a week without a weekly reminder of the fact that I should have invested in bitcoin. So uh, yeah, um, one of these weeks maybe I'll do it, and that will probably mark, mark the peak. So uh, yeah, but uh, but not just yet. But the um, the regulation of bitcoin ETFs does seem to have drawn this asset. Some people won't regard it as an asset, but it has drawn this asset class into the regulated world and given retail investors in the US a mass affluent and an easy way to access this product. And the flows into these ETFs have been nothing short of staggering, actually. I think I read yesterday, the day before, so where are we today? Thursday. So on Tuesday, the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF attracted 500 million, half a billion dollars worth of inflows. Now, there are only 900 Bitcoin created every day, and the algorithms for the mining, which is about $50 million worth of Bitcoin. So unless existing owners are going to sell 450 million pounds worth of Bitcoin a day, there's 10 times more demand just from that one ETF, which just is the biggest supply ETF. and demand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, but mm. come the middle of April, so not that long away, six weeks or so away, that rate of Bitcoin issuance goes from 900 to 450. There's the mm, halving. The halving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, watch this space. I think it's taken a lot of people by surprise. But, you know, people, you know, Fidelity financial advisors are combing the US as we speak, trying to get their clients to make small allocations to this new asset class. So there yeah. we are. It took a while um, to get going, but that, that ETF buying waves arrived. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks like it. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Closer to home, what else have you you seen in the, the UK market? Well, I think the knockout news, and it came at 8.30 this morning, is the competing offer for Wing Canton, the UK transport logistics company from uh, one of the world's largest logistics company, GXO, which came in at 605p a share, valued mm. Wing Canton at £760 million. Another French company, which I the name escapes me, had already agreed two different offers for Wing Canton. And these guys have come in and Looks like they've just stolen the show, but with a with a knockout offer. But let's see. But this is just another example. Six hundred and five p is roughly twice what Wincanton share price was trading at prior to the bids emerging, and so about three times what the share price was this time last year. So I just think it's another example of how UK investors of small and mid cap listed companies are valuing businesses way below what strategic investors and private equity investors are valuing. Our companies at. I mean, the great example late last year was the knockout bid for Hotel Chocolat from Mars, which was similarly twice what the UK, more than twice what the UK market was valuing it at. So, yeah. And some of these aren't small companies, you know, Wing Canton at sure. three quarters of a billion pounds. It's, it's a fair sized business. And for that to now be looking like it might well go for yeah, effectively three times the price from a year ago, that's quite a multiple. Yeah, and widely held. So this mm, capital yeah. is going to find its way back into the UK market because Hotel Chocolat, 50, more than 50% of the equity was owned by the two founders. So that was 500 million quid, but still a lot of money. But most of it went into the pockets of the founders. This is most of it is going back to institutional holders. So, yeah, hopefully back into the market again so yeah and but you it, had some some thoughts on what that means more broadly for sort of price discovery in the market well efficiency. yeah i was listening to david einhorn talk on a podcast a week or two back and he basically i was intrigued by the title of the podcast it was something like why stock markets are broken and he was explaining from a u.s perspective that um, he was focusing on illiquid small cap stocks that had been left behind due to the preponderance these days for mechanistic and passive investment strategies, which has basically broken the market for price discovery and value discovery in companies that don't have sufficient liquidity. There's not enough people who care down in small cap land who are active investors with capital that can do the job they need, they've traditionally done. And I think Wincanton here is arguably a great example of that. And yeah. I would say more widely, pretty much most of the UK small cap spaces. Mm. No, that's right. It's very interesting to see once these these companies get a sort of some kind of publicity or get some attention from the world stage, people are prepared, yes. they're prepared to pay a much, much higher, higher multiple. So yeah. It's, well, uh, yeah, it's, um, there aren't many in the case of Wincanton, it's the biggest independent player in, in this space. So the idea that someone was just going to sneak it off the market at a small premium. Got some got attention, people, yeah. Got people yeah. working overtime at GXO. Who knows? Mm. Maybe, maybe is it XPO, I think, is the other one? Maybe they're looking at it as well. Who knows? But yeah. you, know, no. you couldn't rule it out. No. But no, good good to see in some ways, but does, as you say, I mean, does highlight the fact that a number of high quality UK businesses are trading on what seem to be very low multiples. So hopefully uh, the market will wake up and listen a bit. Yeah, be, and I think there are, there are signs that the UK market is sort of coming back to life. Mm. 
Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, looking more broadly, we've had activity on the fundraising side. Segro has raised nearly a billion pounds of new equity to to establish some more sites, which is great to see. It's, it's, It's a big chunk of fundraising done. And I think more broadly, there's an increasing number of relatively smaller businesses raising relatively small amounts of money, but seems to be an increasing trend or a growing trend. And they're not huge amounts of capital being raised, but it does show that investors are there for the right story and for businesses that have got a good reason for raising cash, whether it's some kind of new opportunity or restructuring or even just working capital. There is money there and investors are prepared to, to you know, follow existing investments or make new ones. So it's, it's nice to see a very small start of potentially a recovery in, in market activity, which would be great if that if that can continue. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that combined with some larger IPOs, then that is mm. probably sufficient to reignite some interest among global investors for what's going yeah. on in the UK market. Yeah. So that's that's all positive. And we've also had some good news from the house building side this week. Taylor Wimpy and Howden were the two that yes. I'd seen both been so, pretty upbeat. Yeah, both, I mean, had tough 2023s, but not surprisingly. I mean, the market knew all about that, but both in their own ways expressing that uh, life is getting better year to date in 2024 with Taylor Wimpy saying that their sales rate on their sites had moved up year on year and Howden continuing to invest in its business in the UK and in Europe. Obviously, increased housing transactions People are putting in new kitchens. So one should expect, again, with what we were saying earlier about uh, new mortgage approvals improving, this is does seem to be vindicating yeah. Alistair's thesis that uh, housing market transactions should pick up in 2024. Yeah, definitely signs of things at least stabilising and hopefully recovering. Okay, great. Apart from the UK budget on Wednesday, what else have we got to look forward to next week? Um, From what I can see, a pretty quiet week. It's all going to be about jobs in the US and rates in Europe. So I think probably, yeah, we've got Wednesday, we've got the US JOLTS job openings data, which the market's going to be looking for a reduction on last month's 9 million vacancies. And on Friday in the US, we get both the non-farm payrolls and the unemployment data. You know, obviously the non-farm payrolls, we had this very volatile figure last month where we had a huge 353,000 new jobs. And, you know, this time around, we're looking again for this figure to be below 200,000. So that could spook, you know, depending on how that number comes out, that could spook expectations on inflation and then obviously rates. And when will we get these rate cuts, which, as I said earlier, look, as things stand, we're not actually going to get them until the second half of this year. And the, we're also on Thursday next week, we're going to get the ECB rate decision, but no change there. They'll, they'll no surprise remain, expected. No, no. No, no, nothing there. Uh, yeah, and that's probably it. Okay, great. Well, I think there's quite a bit of UK news in terms of companies reporting or updates due next week. Yeah, it's so a busy a bit, time, a bit, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. So there'll be some, some company news next week. So we've got all that to look forward to. And we'll catch up this time next week. Yeah, look forward to Thanks it. Thanks a lot. Okay, talk to you soon. Brought to you by Progressive Equity. This is your wake-up call, pal. Go to work.